This is HOPE, Behavioral Health and COVID-19 from Health Management Associates. I'm Annalisa Baker, your host, a senior consultant at HMA, a licensed clinical social worker, and a proud lifelong New Yorker. Coming up later, I discuss remote induction of buprenorphine with Scott Haga, a principal at HMA and an expert in the treatment of substance use disorders. This is the first in a series of podcasts we're creating specifically for you, New York's behavioral health providers. You're the heroes on the ground, serving our most vulnerable populations in the middle of a pandemic. We'll try to support you with quickly digestible, timely, and practical advice and information. In the coming weeks, you'll hear from behavioral health leaders and learn how they're modifying services and operations. You'll discover how to adapt clinical strategies for telehealth and how to best engage with clients and staff. We'll look at successful operational strategies to support your organization, including policies and procedures and cross-sector collaboration. Perhaps most importantly, we'll also be discussing emotional fallout and practical self-care. Behavioral health providers in New York are experiencing a deluge of information around changes in telehealth practices related to the COVID-19 crisis. New Yorkers with substance use disorders are likely at increased risk of relapse and overdose during this unusual period of social isolation and chaos, and may be struggling to find treatment supports. Starting buprenorphine via telehealth or home induction is safe and fast becoming standard practice for medication-assisted treatment, or MAT. Let's bring in Scott. Hey Scott, can I ask you to kick things off by talking a little bit about how the current crisis in the COVID-19 environment is changing our practice around medication-assisted treatment? Sure. So we are having multiple different new interventions around MAT. The greatest is the ability to prescribe medications for addiction treatment in the home setting without having to see patients in person. So using telehealth interventions and a lot of the changes that the DEA has put in place has really allowed us to have a much more effective telehealth presence in treating addiction. Do you feel like what we're doing is revolutionary in light of this crisis? I think it is really putting us in a place where we are doing more home inductions and starting people on buprenorphine outside of the clinical setting than perhaps we did in general. But this is really something that we've been doing for at least 10 years. And in fact, the earliest literature that's published around doing home inductions actually came out of New York City. What should providers be thinking about when they are trying to engage clients and trying to figure out the right candidate? A lot of people previously had very established networks where they were getting the the drugs that they were using on a regular basis. And in a lot of cases, that has dried up. And when we look at the supply and demand curve, the supply isn't as great as it was, but the demand is really just as high for those illicit substances. So the cost has gone up in a lot of communities. And also, just because of social distancing, it's much more difficult to go out and get the substances We've also noticed that in many cases, the healthcare system is either overwhelmed with COVID or in some cases, you know, just isn't available. And so people who were going in and getting different mental health services, whether that was directly related to their SUD or not, are now not able to do that. And as your level of overall stress increases, your likelihood of relapse increases. 
because for many individuals, the way that you cope is using a chemical. For some of us, that's food. Some of us, that's alcohol. Some, that's other substances like opiates. Are there changes in the way that providers should be engaging with their clients and and patients to assess for whether or not there is this change in coping mechanism or a greater sense of distress? I, I think it's important for us to let our patients know that we're struggling as well. And as we're using some of these new telehealth technologies, that this is new for us as well. The DEA now allows us both to start people on controlled substances using a telehealth visit, but in particular with buprenorphine, we can actually start patients on buprenorphine with just a telephone interview. What should providers be thinking about when they are trying to engage clients and and trying to figure out whether or not the person they're talking to is the right candidate? If we are using video, Oftentimes, we're able to see what are the conditions that somebody's living in and what are their grooming standards. And if you knew the patient previously, how does that compare to baseline for that patient? What we're hearing on the ground is that there's a mix of patients and clients that may or may not want to do the video and and may just want to stick to a phone chat. I've added the question into my interview, asking every patient what their preferred method of communication is. For some patients who tell me, you know, I really would like to do video, but I don't know how to do that. Having one of our medical assistants call them back and walk them through the process of setting up video. Let's talk about who might be the right candidate for a remote induction. What should providers be thinking about? There are several factors that help us to decide that this would be a good candidate to do an at-home or remote induction. Many patients have already used buprenorphine, either buprenorphine that was prescribed to them in the past or that they obtained illicitly to prevent withdrawal. Many of our patients already understand the substance, so they often already know how to start buprenorphine themselves. If the patient's that familiar with it, that's a great candidate. One of the greatest difficulties with doing a remote induction is the anxiety that patients experience when they begin to have some of the symptoms of withdrawal that are necessary in order to start the buprenorphine. I often talk to my patients about trying to find somebody who can be with them, if possible, to provide emotional support, but also as a second set of eyes and ears. What about patients who are on methadone? That's a more difficult situation because methadone stays in your system much longer than other opiates. Making the transition over to buprenorphine can be more difficult. And so those are patients will often do an in-person induction. Also, individuals who have an underlying co-occurring behavioral health diagnosis can often have a little more difficulty doing a home induction. What I also like about what you said is that you're giving the client or patient the option to set up their home environment or make the decision as to whether or not they want to do this themselves. It can be very empowering for the individual to be able to decide when they're going to do their home induction. That's so great because we all need empowerment right now. What other factors can providers consider? As I train providers on doing home inductions. The three 
big factors that I encourage people to think about are the environment that the person will be doing this induction in. So if an individual is homeless, do they have somewhere that they can do this? Considering whether they've been on methadone, which is a really big factor. And also if the individual is pregnant. In some cases, just because of the increased liability, we are a little bit more comfortable doing those inductions with pregnant patients in person. My caveat is if I'm going to do an induction remotely with a pregnant patient, I make sure that the patient's very comfortable contacting us with any problems and make sure that one of us is available right away. I've done many, many inductions with pregnant women remotely, but it's just something that you want to be a little bit more careful doing. And more intensive with your follow-up. Exactly. I like that you brought up pregnant women because there's a stigma against providing MAT to pregnant women. And it's probably the most important group that we should be making a, a concerted effort to screen women who are pregnant for substance use disorders and intervening and starting MAT right away in women who are using opiates because it makes an enormous difference both in helping her to have a healthy pregnancy, but also having a healthy mom. Are there other populations specifically when we're thinking about remote induction that we need to take special care to consider or make sure that we're intensifying our follow-up? It's an important factor to think as we are doing these remote inductions to do a risk analysis and to think, what do I need to do to help this person to be most successful? It can be quite scary and anxiety provoking starting it. And a lot of people are very fearful of buprenorphine because they've seen individuals who've taken buprenorphine and having a bad outcome. So it's important to address that very explicitly talk about, have you seen other people who've taken buprenorphine? Do you have some fears or concerns about doing this based on what you've seen before? Are there other areas of hesitation that you think providers might have that the current COVID environment might be adding to? One of the greatest barriers to doing remote induction is our own implicit bias that this medical care needs to occur in the office. I think our attitude as the mental health professionals and the prescribers, helping the patient to feel that this is just a normal process, just like you might have an earache and I would call in an antibiotic to the pharmacy and you wouldn't necessarily come into the office in order to get that medication. That's a great way of normalizing it for folks. This opens up the opportunity for them to explore it with their clients and patients, at least to see how they might be able to do it and be supportive. I I suggest that at every visit, just like there are certain questions that we always ask, like asking about suicidality, that we just integrate, how do you feel about starting MAT? Let's talk about how to do this. What are the steps that providers need to know about helping their patients do this at home? So there is a process to doing this, and it starts with good education of the patient 
of what to expect and providing some written communication. I usually give my patients a written plan for their home induction. And obviously in the current situation, that can be more difficult. But I have found that in some cases you can email something to your patient or it takes longer, but I have them write down a few notes and and just tell them, why don't you get a piece of paper and we'll just talk through this. It's important to, to set good expectations of what will happen and talk to the patient about needing to be in some withdrawal before starting buprenorphine. So I give my patients a copy of the COWS, the clinical opiate withdrawal scale, and actually let them fill it out themselves and score it and tell them that, you know, when they get between six and eight, they should call us and check in and we'll help them make the decision to start. Or if they're very comfortable, just empower them and tell them, you know, when you feel you're ready to do this, do the cow scale. And if you're around an eight, everyone's different. Some clinicians will start buprenorphine at five on the cow scale. There are many other tools available the American Society of Addiction Medicine has a really good handout for patients, which is free that you can use. Make sure you talk about using the medication under the tongue and why that's so important because swallowing the medicine, it's not going to work. And start the medication at the dose that you're most comfortable, whether that's four milligrams or eight milligrams. Some individuals start at two and then help the patient to understand that, you know, in 45 minutes or an hour, if you're feeling great, then you're fine. If you're still having symptoms of withdrawal, go ahead and take another dose and just explain that sequential dosing up to 16 milligrams in a day will work for them. Are there ways to help individuals manage the discomfort of withdrawal and home inductions? I also provide all of my patients that are doing a home induction with what my nursing staff knows is my home induction kit that they will call in prescriptions for patients to have Imodium to take for diarrhea and some Odanzatron Zofran for nausea and vomiting. Um, Also using something like Bentil for abdominal cramping and Clonidine for the creepy crawly skin sensations as well as the heart racing and just the overall feeling of being unwell in withdrawal. And so often using clonidine and those supportive medications can make it so much easier for somebody to get to the point where they're more comfortable during that induction process. Are you generally on call for the clients or patients that you induce remotely? We do have a prescriber on call 24 hours a day. So we have somebody available should something come up that they need help. We will usually know when the patient's planning to do their induction. We set up a plan and then one of our staff will contact the patient beforehand and say, you know, do you have any questions? And really just use some of our motivational interviewing techniques to really help them to feel empowered and that this is going to be successful. And then we try to check in with them later in the day. The therapist who's working with this person will often call the person the next day just to see how they're doing and if they're having any concerns. Do you have any words of inspiration for our New York behavioral health providers? 
it is obviously an incredibly stressful time on so many different levels, but to have the opportunity to provide a ray of hope and to allow people to start to feel better. And even in this time of crisis, that this might be the opportunity, that turning point, you can't judge, you can't know if this is that moment for them. This may very well be that ray of hope or the phoenix rising from the ashes. This may be the impetus to start anew and for us to be able to help empower someone to make a huge change in their life. That's so powerful. Thank you for giving a light of hope out there to providers and folks who are struggling with substance use. Thank you for doing this and for doing these podcasts as a labor of love. Even in tragedy, there is hope. Things will get better. It's hard to see it and feel it right now, but it will. Hope, Behavioral Health and COVID-19 is produced by me at home with my kids in the next room. You can follow HMA on Twitter at HMA Consultants, and you can find us on LinkedIn. Find out more about HMA podcasts at healthmanagement.com forward slash podcast. My name is Annalisa Baker. Stay strong, New York. Thanks for listening.